This is the best damn podcast in the land. I got an all-star squad with us tonight. The starters for tonight. Got my man, Jose Winston, hailing from the main streets of Milwaukee. My man, Marcus Hill, checking in from Los Angeles, California, by the way, of Kenosha. The smooth lefty out of Tulsa East, Al Hansen, in the mouth of the Southeast Corner, <laughs> Coach D. Joseph, and the lady, first time ever on the podcast, first lady ever, Nicole, we're going to say Nicole Drummond because that's what she played as, but she is definitely Mrs. Shoshik. Say that three times fast. We're going to leave that at that. So let's check in. Bring these folks into the conversation right away. Welcome to the You Can Be Mo podcast. I'm Brandon Morris, your host. Uh, we're in for an exciting night. We got some legendary Wisconsin ball players and already coaches. Uh, so let's get this game going. Those were the starters. Our bench players coming strong off the bench. Six-man award for the second year in a row. Coach Corey Shashelshik, Helen out of St. Norbert's. And then we got my man Greg Leach, head coach. Been in the game for 30-plus years. Reigning from Kenosha Bradford. And the young pup of the group from Racine Prairie, my man Jason Atanasoff. Welcome, everybody. Let's get it rocking and rolling right away. Coach C, throw a question at one of these starters, man. Let, let's get it popping ASAP. Al, I'm coming at you, man. So my question today is, as a player and coach, you've had tremendous success. In your opinion, what is more difficult, building a program or sustaining success? Why? And then what core values do you believe carry you as a program through that entire process? Ooh, that's a good one, man. You're coming in hot right away. Um, the first part, I think building success is probably the toughest. Um, you definitely got to get people to buy into your program, buy into your philosophy as a coach, as a school, as a community. You want to directly represent that. I think from that point, once you can build some success, sustaining it, it'll kind of take care of itself. Um, that's just my philosophy on it. Um, what was the second part? So what core values do you instill into your program that really helps you through that entire process to sustain, to build, and sustain? I think the biggest core value is accountability. Um, we all know as coaches, you got to be held accountable. Um, and that's something. The game of basketball teaches you that it's going to be a direct translation in life. You have to be accountable for your actions, for your effort, for your attitude. Um, so I think that's the biggest core value that I believe as a, you know, I instill into my program. Excellent. That's a great answer, Al, my man. <laughs> Excellent. That's my man, Al Hansen. Um, let's go ahead and uh, Greg, who you got a question for? I got a question for Nicole. Um, and so I was doing research all this week on Nicole 
and uh, I kind of happened upon some stats that really surprised me. And uh, at least in my question, I want to take it in a, in a different direction. Uh, if anybody wants to discuss some of these stats that I had, more than welcome to as we get into the conversation. But, Nicole, as a highly successful D1 player and a coach, can you give me your perspective as to what makes uh, girls more successful in the state of Wisconsin as D1 NCAA recruits? Whoa, that's loaded. That's heavy. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think uh, a lot of things that coaches look for, at least from my experience, is your work ethic. And, and I think this is across the board, whether it's girls, boys, men, women, your work ethic and your coachability and, you know, how hard you're going to play on the floor, how you're going to bounce back from mistakes, how you're going to respond to challenges. Um, so I think that is something big that, I mean, all coaches look for. Wow. The Hall of Famer. The Hall of Famer speaks. Excellent. Uh, by the way, we got a couple of UWM ballers on this, on this chain right now. UWM and... I mean, we UWM heavy, Panther heavy, and I'm UWGB, you know, all around. Okay, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, so I, we got a question uh, from one of our listeners to Coach Joseph, um, and they want to know, how was it playing uh, with some superstar athletes? And can you name three of the most athletic players you played with at high, in high school? Without a doubt, um, me being one of the most athletic, and I'm just playing, I didn't have, <laughs> have a tad bit of it, but um, not even uh, naming them in order, uh, just off top of the head, uh, definitely uh, had the pleasure of playing with one of a freak of nature, Larry House, I think to this day, you know, he's a a coach, a assistant coach of Coach Winston at Brown Deer. To this day, you know, we get he, he gets some WD forty on those bones, and, and he, he can he can you throw him alive. To this day, he still can go up. <laughs> we push him forty. You know what I'm saying? So that just tells you the freaking nature of he, how he was when he was, uh, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. Um, another athlete I played with that I think was amazing. Uh, was Moses, Deontay Moses. He was uh, our, we used to uh, kind of call him like the Milwaukee Charles Barkley, you know. Uh -huh. um, you know, you, you can go to the hole, man, and you can you can, you can see him in a glimpse, drop it behind your head, and he was coming and he was coming down on your head with a dunk. So Moses was another uh, freaking nature athlete. And then I'm going to get, and, and then I'm going to steal one from um, our boy. I didn't get an opportunity to go to high school with him, but um, without a doubt, uh, and we, we mentioned UWM early, but without a doubt, I played in plenty of leagues um, with uh, James Wright. James mm -hmm. Wright, uh, without a doubt, was uh, our Kenyon Mark. You know, um, he was just freaking nature as well. Um, I remember looking at uh, the warning documentary came out the other day, and we were playing on the same team, and he kind of like went from uh, one end to the other end. Baby, get over there. And the other end, and he kind of 360'd it. And I'm like, man, that's crazy at like 15, 16, 17 years old. So those are the three that come off the top of my head. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for that. Coach Winston, we got a question for you. You've played at the highest level. Um, 
looking back, are there anything you would have changed uh, during your college career? Uh, yeah, in hindsight, absolutely. I think the the thing I would have changed, I went into the game believing that, I went into the game uh, playing it as a game and not playing it and not understanding the true business aspect of the game. Oh. So when you get to that next level in college, it ain't a game anymore. It's a business. And depending on uh, your mental makeup and, and how you see the game can kind of affect the way, uh, can kind of affect your success in the game too, you know. I'm on that level, man. Uh, it's not just about work ethic. It's not just about skill. It's about understanding your true value, too. So I think uh, I think what the young people are starting to master nowadays is they understand that it's more than just a game of basketball. It's a business now. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for that. And uh, one of our last starters, the question we have, uh, Coach Hill. You've been around the game a very long time. Uh, if you could name one player that you didn't get a chance to coach and you would like to coach, who would that be? Thank you for that. So those questions we just came up for the starters because uh, as a bench player, you always have questions for the starters. And, and we really wanted to kind of get to challenge you guys right off the bat. Uh, now we'll get into uh, the first part of the segment of, of questions. Uh, and we're just going to go in our grid and the bench players will try to follow up behind behind you starters. Uh, so we're going to go in that reverse order, Coach Hill, we're going to come to you. Uh, why do you coach the game of basketball? And then what's your coaching style and why do you coach that way? <clears throat> okay. Um, I would say probably the first reason why I coach um, was kind of following the footsteps of my dad. My dad was a coach, um, so I kind of I went to practice with him and kind of envied the um, – the respect and just how his players looked at him and um, appreciated him and what they did for him or what they did for them, what he did for them, um, and that's probably one of the biggest things that I love um, about coaching is being able to teach um, and being able to not only just teach the game but teach them life lessons through the game of basketball, um, which is probably I guess really the biggest reason why I do love to coach. Um, coaching. Style, um, I would say that I'm intense. Um, and you know from you and me coaching against each other, um, I, I'm intense from practice to, to the game, 
Um, I'm animated. I am in the game as if I was playing it. Um, but I think that I do everything that I possibly can to push the players um, so that I can get the best out of them and they can get the best out of themselves. So not only do they get the best out of themselves in the game, they translate it to their life. And they feel that, you know, I try to put them in situations where it's hard for them in practice and then they can maybe go on to another moment, you know, translate that to no matter how hard something is in practice or how something is in life, they can be, they can achieve it. They can get through it. Uh, so that's kind of pretty much my um, coaching style is really just um, getting after, getting, getting the players to get after it, giving 110% at all times and push them to be their best at all times. Excellent. Coach Winston, we coming right to you. Well, I think the reason I got into coaching B was just because uh, um, I've always, all my life I wanted to be an educator. And uh, my way of educating is not just in the, you know, not just uh, in a school setting, but I've always been able to, uh, I've always picked up the game. Uh, being a point guard, as you know, um, and as Brandon and Alan know, uh, you pick up things differently from your coaches. And I was able to kind of uh, pick up certain things. And, and, and I just wanted to give back, man. It, it's my way of giving back. Uh, my buddy Craig Hart and his dad saved my life. And what I mean by that is he he uh, didn't make much money, man, but he worked at the Boys and Girls Club. But he had about eight of us, and, and we had the C Club. And he would take us around, and we would play games, and he would train us. and. And, and he would teach us the core values of what basketball can do for you um, off the court. And uh, I've always wanted to kind of follow in his footsteps. Uh, w when it comes to coaching, um, I just believe that, you know, it's just like life, man. you got to give it everything. So I, I kind of try to push my kids. I, I don't care how talented you are. you got to leave it on the floor. you got to leave it on the floor. Every single game you got to leave it on the floor. You can't cheat yourself because we want those – we want those uh, those things to carry over to the real world. Wow. Y'all hitting it hard. Uh, B. Joe, we coming to you. Y'all would let me follow behind that, huh? No, I'm just <laughs> no um, the reason why, the reason why uh, I, got in, I got into coaching because um, it's flat out the next best thing um, from being a player. You know, I'm, when I'm coaching, um, I, I, it, it's pretty hard for me not to think I'm not playing basketball. So uh, my, my philosophy is simple. Um, I think when you're coaching, you got the microphone. You know, we all have been to concerts. We all have been, you know, the church. Whoever has the microphone, you're tuned in, you know. And I feel like, you know, uh, coaching gives you another element of being able to uh, reach out to people. It's mission work for, for, for many of us. And I think through the mission work, uh, we utilize that microphone to uh, make a difference. Uh, we got to continue to make a difference um, uh, when we're not on the sidelines and when we're on the sidelines. And I, and I like to equivalate a lot of uh, the things that I, I say uh, while coaching as life skills. For example, I say um, it, um, if it's one, one person down there, you know, boxing out, I'll say, oh, so you can you sit here and go in the alley with me and let me get jumped and look at me get boxed out. So, you know, <laughs> you got to kind of be – you got to kind of be creative and also uh, be one of those things that's transparent with, with our kids. And that's what I love about coaching. And that's why I got into it. Uh, my style, um, 
it's very reserved depending on who I play. Interesting. Interesting. Reserve. I wish I could play some video footage for y'all to see that reserved of Coach Joseph. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nicole. Well, I don't have some, like, sentimental story for how I got into coaching. I don't coach anymore, but um, when I started, honestly, I didn't know what else I was going to do, and I was just kind of graduated from college and just like, hey, this is something fun to do. But when I got into it and really started working with the girls, I really started enjoying it and seeing where, where they started and then by the end of the season where they were at. Because, I mean, I feel like in Kenosha, girls' basketball is a lot different than, you know, different other cities in the state. We're not playing basketball, or a lot of the girls aren't playing basketball from first grade on up. At the freshman level, this is the first time they're picking up a basketball, the first time that they're shooting a layup or whatever. So being able to work with these girls and kind of be like a mentor and a teacher, like some of you guys, other said, other guys said, um, being a teacher, showing them how to do a layup and showing them how to shoot a jump shot and just being able to see that development of them really made me want to stick with it. And then even after I stopped for a while and then started up back up again, coaching at West Dallas with the varsity team who you would expect would be like way above the freshman level. Yeah. But yet some of them, this is the first time <laughs> that, you know, they're learning how to play. So being in that mentor teaching role again, um, just kind of motivated me more again. Um, but when I was the head coach of the freshman team and the sophomore team at Trump, I guess my style was more intense because I, mean, I was the head coach. I was the one. Um, who had to be their biggest cheerleader out there, the biggest pusher for them out there. Um, so I'm always challenging them, always trying to push them to do better. Even if I know that you probably can't do it, I'm going to try to make you think that you can, so you keep working on it. Um, but I mean, at West Dallas, as the assistant, I feel like I was kind of a little bit more laid back, reserved, and just kind of like that, not necessarily a friend to the girls, but um, just that person that they could go to and, you know, um, talk about their frustrations and try to be kind of a quiet teacher to them, I guess. Excellent. Al, my man. Hey, uh, why do I why do I coach? Yes, sir. And the follow up and how what everyone said, I think everyone kind of, I take a little bit from what everyone mentioned before, but I think the biggest thing, like Jose said, us as point guards, we kind of see the game a little bit different. Um, We've been coaches, you know, as players. So for me, I, I've always considered myself as as a, the coach on the floor. Um, so I've always kind of looked at the game from a coaching perspective. And also, you know, that I'm a, I'm still a big time competitor. So this is like Brandon said, this is as closest to the game you can get. You know, to the sidelines, you can't go in there and directly impact the outcome. You know, by making buckets or whatever, but you still have that competitive edge and that that drive to, you know, influence your players or whatever that have somewhat of an impact on the, on the game. So that's the reason I coach is, you know, that I feel like I've been a coach my entire playing career, so it was an easy transition for me. Um, my style, I try to instill confidence in the guys that I've coached, um, kind of empower them and have them play freely, but also with, with, with the discipline, you know, to understand how to win games, but still also letting them go out and play and play the way that they know how. Excellent, excellent. Any of the bench, any of the bench coaches, 
You want to chime in? Corey, go ahead. Great, great listening, you guys. Uh, you know, for me, my big thing always was being a mentor to the young men and women that I work with, workouts, all that stuff. And I think Jose said it, you're an educator. You're, you're really educating these young men what it's like to be a man, life skills, values. B. Joe said that too. And I think as a coach at the college level, what I love is getting to know the players' families, recruiting the players, um, and seeing them through. It's a long process. You, you get to know the high school coaches. You get to know the high school coaches' families. You get to see all the way through that whole process. And it, what it builds is lifelong relationships. I, I love going to my ex-players, you know, their weddings, to see that, to see them become young men and, and instrumental in the community, doing things that I couldn't even imagine doing. And basketball has given me so much and gave me an opportunity that I probably would have never had without basketball giving me that chance. And to see that for my players and try to give them that, you know, coaching style, I always say that they got to ask, you're probably better off asking the players because what I think might be reserved, I think coach said that, coach B. Joe said that, uh, you know, they, they probably would not agree with that and that's okay. But I would say all of us on here are truthful. Uh, you know, you're honest with your players. And I think that's the most important thing you can do as a coach. Be honest with them, show them that you love them. And there's no, nothing wrong with pushing people past their limit their limits of comfortability because your greatest growth is when you're uncomfortable. Excellent. Any other coaches want to chime in? Greg or Jason? Go ahead, G. Yeah, there were a lot of great answers. Um, and I'm not going to double up on any of them. Uh, but for my style, and I think, Brandon, you and I are cut from the same cloth, at least kind of had the same background growing up. Uh, I think a lot of kids – understand and know what they want to achieve uh, but they don't always know the path that they need to get on in order to get there and um, I'm a little bit intense and um, I'm excitable sometimes it's, it's taken as a negative but it's really I'm really truly that way because as I said kids know what they want to achieve but at times do not know how to what they need to do in order to get there. And I could go through a lot of different characteristics, but um, it's, a, it's a push pull and, and um, it's probably a little bit more pull for me in trying to pull them in the right direction. <clears throat> Excellent. Go ahead, Coach Winston. So Brandon, if I can piggyback off Coach G and what he said, I think sometimes what happens is, and I'm sure you guys can attest to this, and Corey, you can attest to this being a college coach as well, I think sometimes people misinterpret um, intensity and passion. I think they're two different things. I think as coaches, uh, our intensity is more geared towards our passion to want to see them be successful. And I think what's, what's being lost nowadays with young people is that they take that, that passion, that, that we have more passion for the game and for them to be successful than they do. And sometimes it just don't mix. True, true. Jason, you want to hop in anything? Yeah, um, all great thoughts. Um, kind of the same path as some of you guys, how I got into it, but I just want to add, um, and it's usually around the Christmas break for us, role definement is huge. And we, you know, we try to give it six, seven, eight games and, and 
practices to let that play out. But we actually sit the boys down for about a half hour and go over what, at that current time, we view as their roles. And that certainly can change based on practice. But um, I think it was Corey who mentioned being truthful. You know, over half the guys are not liking what they hear at that time. Um, And so that's a critical part for us. And we usually see, you know, around that time of year, things start to come together. Um, And then just personally, you know, Jose talks about being an educator. um, And I know this is out of our controls oftentimes, but I I truly believe being in the building is an advantage for me. Um, You know, I have an open door policy. You know, our kids, if they're having a bad day, they just need to talk. They just need to come have a snack, whatever it is that we're having those conversations outside of practice and uh, building that relationship away from basketball is huge. Excellent. Thanks for that. So uh, for those that will be listening to this podcast and watching B. Joe's live feed, I wanted to get all those coaches in uh, on that question because this next question, not all of them will be able to participate. So this has to do with state tournament players or coaches only. Uh, so there's only a handful of you guys. Well, yeah, there's a lot of you guys. There's actually one, two. There's many state appearance players and coaches on, on this feed. So this question is, what was your state tournament experience as a player and as a coach? What was that experience like? How many times you been to state? Have you won it? And then which one was better as a player or as a coach? Uh, let's see, who has the most state championships? Uh, it's got to be between Corey or Jose. So, Corey, we're going to come to you first. Jose definitely got me beat with state championships. We okay. got some state runner-ups, but Jose got me beat with some state championships. Um, you know, I think as a coach, I, w- I have never been fortunate enough to coach it. I've gotten close sectional final um, with Tremper when I was an assistant. Um, and hopefully someday, maybe, who knows where life will take me, take me, I'll get a chance to do that. But as a player, um, you know, to me, it, it was an experience that you don't forget. Um, you work all season with some of your closest friends to do that. And, you know, I always work for kids that that's their, their end goal, where life is much more than just the state tournament. But that experience, you have a special bond with a special team, and there's only, you know, so many teams that get there um and it's a debate always every year who should be there what team should be there all that stuff but um i think always the stories get better with time i think we're always a lot better players uh as we get older at that age um but uh you know it's a special bond that's never broken i'll never i'll never forget that path everybody that i played with um my coaches uh i'm still close with and that that experience is is just if if anybody can get to that point as a player as a coach, it's something special. Excellent. You have any state championships, Corey? One. One All state right. championship. All right, Jose. Uh, as a player, I mean, as a coach, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, I'm still on the grind, and uh, but you know. Like I always say, you know, Brandon got one and, 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 and Al got one. And it's like I got one, too, you know, yep. um, because you guys do become so close. You know what I mean? But I think as a player, man, um, the biggest thing is that, and I'm sure those guys, uh, Corey, um, you guys all know this. And B, you know this, too. Um, 
it actually becomes less about the game and just fighting one more day for the brotherhood. If you understand what I'm saying? Like, seriously, when you get to that point, so many things to come together and it's not necessary. You're not even thinking about hosting the ball. You're like, hey, man, I want to play one more day with these dudes. Like, I want to play one more day. I want to play one more game. I want to I want to stay one more day in this hotel just to hang out with my boys because at, at some point you understand that what that year is will never be again. This is it for that year because seniors are going to be leaving. Guys might be transferring. This is it. So I think it was when we were playing, man, it was just like, hey, man, let's just fight another day. Let's just get let, – let's just live. Let's just be with each other till that Saturday. Let's And then when that Saturday come, you know, let's go take this thing and, and, and celebrate this thing together. So I think that's how you kind of look at it as a player, or at least I did. How many state championships do you have? I have three as a player. Three state championships as a player. My yeah. goodness, you only play in high school for four years. Yeah, I just yeah. got three as a player. That's all, man. Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. Uh, B. Joe. Well, you... I had a very talented team, too. Okay, excellent. B. Joe, you played in the state tournament as a player as well? Yes, I played in the state tournament as a player. Uh, made it all the way to the championship game. So, as a player, man, it's just one of those things I can mimic um, what Jose is saying, man. Um, we had one goal, you know. I think the goal be our the junior year was just make it to state, you know, just make it there. And we fell short of that because of a young man named Jimmy Foster. But <laughs> but the, um, the senior year, it was like, no, let's get there and let's win it. So I think as we strengthened our goal, you know, we, we actually tried to, you know, pursue that or execute the plan. Um, was a couple guys in Racine had other plans, so ended up getting a silver ball, you know, um, that year. But yeah. it, I, I mimic uh, what I heard before is um, everybody talked that made it there as a player. like just playing one more day because you knew that that time was coming up, you know, that time was coming to an end with, with the players that you play with, and especially, you know, um, players of that talent, you know. You know, it, it, you know people pass are different. A lot of people paths are different, so you got you you got to understand that it, it kind of was like heart failing because you know people probably weren't going to play college ball or right. people was going you know you never knew the future as a player, as a coach, um, mentality was a little different. Um, I think especially um, uh, as a coach when you get to that sectional final game, um, you had you know you you really you really had some a little bigger than yourself um that you were you're coaching for and that was your city uh kind of brainwashed the kids like you know you got you know i, I don't even remember going over schemes on the state championship game I, I literally drew um milwaukee over everybody on the board and that's all we talked about we didn't talk about personnel we didn't talk about anything we made adjustments at halftime and that's all we did and because it was that it was literally that feeling like you're not playing for yourself. You're playing for the, you know, the program, and you're playing for a city which is bigger than yourself. So as a coach, it was just, uh, it was all about Milwaukee, to be honest with you. And that's how, I, that's how I viewed it. And I always told my players that once you play the game, uh, especially if you have the luxury of being a starter, <laughs> you hear that from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's just something that does to you when you hear that when you're running out, you know, in the starting yeah. five. And I yeah. need you guys to take that feeling. That same emotion to the state championship game and bring the gold ball back for your city.
Excellent. Wow, as a player and as a coach. B. Joe, you had the coach that stole the ball from the player uh, on the sideline. Was that your coach? <laughs> <laughs> hey, B. Joe Dude, went that to... Was coach. Man, that was off my coach. That was, that was off my pass, man. That was a bad pass. I was going to my shooter. I was going to my shooter, man. I, he was curling. I'm thinking he'd pop it out for the trade, man. Pops was right there. You know, Pops used to hoop. <laughs> Yeah. He used to that thing like from the sea at that seventies four like Birdville, like that. So I think he, you know, he had a flashback or something. <laughs> yeah, I never forget that watching y'all play against Racine Case. The coach stole the ball. Like, hey man, y'all come on now, B Joe. Why you turn it over right there? That was so funny. I'll never forget that. Yeah. Um Al Hansen, you been to the state tournament as a player? Was able to make it to the state tournament one time as a player. Uh wasn't able to win the state championship thanks to the Flower Boys and Madison LaFowler. But um, I think going as a player for me, the one time I was able to go, it was a little bit different than as a coach. Uh, going as a player, I don't think we were necessarily ever picked to make it to the state tournament or were the favorites. Um, so for us, it was kind of we was kind of like that underdog going into the playoffs as a whole. And we kind of, you know, we had a good season. That whole year, we just we never had really any superstar players. We all just kind of fit, and we all know as coaches, it's just about you can have the most talent, but you just got to have those pieces and in the right place to make that run. For us, on a, as an underdog, there wasn't any pressure on us, so we could just go out and play. And you know, we all expected to win, but we know no one else expected us to win. And you know, we were able to make a run, beating King, beating Washington beating Pius, beating Vincent, and kind of falling short in the semifinals. Back then, I think it was three games we had to win. Yeah. Uh, I think we had a team full of seniors, you know, but we just had great camaraderie, and that was a fun experience. And the thing, as a player, you know, you know as a player, you and your teammates have that common goal, you know. So going as a coach, you know, you don't have as much control as what these other, what your players are thinking or what, you know, the outside influences and all of that. So, Going and winning it as a coach last year, um, it was real special because you got your the target is on your back the entire time. Um, for us to you know to go through everything we went through, you know we had all this talent and everyone thinks you got the talent that means you're just going to win it, and that we all know that's not true. You know, so for us to have um, all those guys and come together with one common goal from day one. And for those guys to just be selfless the way they were and come together and not have any egos and not let the media and, you know, the social media and all of that kind of get inside to them. I think that was very, very special because the target was on our back the entire year, you know, and everyone expected us to win. And if you don't win, you know, these 15, 16, 17-year-old kids, pressure is, you know, each kid handles pressure different, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So if we don't win, then it's kind of like it's a huge failure to them. Whereas that was really our first time ever, play, our first year playing together with that group. So right. I think that was very special to see a special group like that come together and you know be as selfless as they were. That 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 was real gratifying for me. All right, uh, Coach Leach, you coached at the state tournament too, right? I did my very first year, um, and I just wanted to you know to Al's commentary. Uh, Al, sometimes when you when you have that talent, uh, it may not be X's and O's, uh, but in order to keep everybody together, 
to keep that group playing team basketball and getting to and achieving what you did, uh, sometimes that's a lot tougher than the rest of it. Um, so congratulations to you on that. To Brandon, uh, his commentary was right when I got there. I mean, that's playing for the playing for the school and playing for the city. It was such a great sense of pride. And then to, to Jose, and, and he made the comment of, you know, the camaraderie and not wanting it to end and, and savoring what was happening on a daily basis. So my very first year, I was 29 years old, I'm going to be 54 now, and, and I'm coaching the girls. And we get to the, we're playing at the Mecca back then with the WISA. And uh, we won our first quarterfinal game. And uh, we ended up playing DSHA and losing in, in the semifinals on a last second shot. And a lot of disappointment. And just, you know, I walked off the floor and I said, wow, it's really disappointing and I'm going to miss these kids. We had a great run, but I'm 29 years old. I'm going to be coaching for a long time. I'll be back. Well, now here I am going to be 54 and I've never returned. So, uh, as Jose said, savor it. Uh, enjoy that camaraderie because you never know when it's going to come back around. Uh, any of the other coaches, I don't want to miss anybody out, has been to the state tournament as a player or as a coach. Nobody else got a lot of talent on this feed right now. Uh, state tournament appearances, multiple. And then, of course, <laughs> winning the state tournament. Al, was that your first year as a head coach? No, that was actually my, uh, shit, was that my third? Third or fourth? Shit, I lose track, man. Okay. I think I've been doing it four, four years, three? I don't know. <laughs> it was the school's first one. Yeah, Okay. Cool. I, th I think about that. Four. That was 19. That was four. Four years. Four. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so we got about 10 minutes left in this segment. Uh, I want to ask Coach Winston, you had a chance to go to the state tournament. Uh, it was a very controversial bucket. Uh, I don't want to, you know, throw you and B. Joe. <laughs> Talk about that bucket, please, Coach Winston. I mean, I, I got the playback, and I actually got it in my phone still to this day, being a, a St. Joe's grad and watching St. Joe's and, and Destiny battle to go to the state tournament. Coach Winston, can you talk about that, that last 12, 30 seconds? He went off camera, man. Okay. I'm about to go off camera, too. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on. Am I, am I off? I'm back on, right? No, uh, I don't know why I'm off camera, man. Um, but uh, that that game there was probably the – I've seen a lot of games. I've played in a lot of games, to be honest. That was probably the greatest game I've ever been part of. Wow. And the reason, it, the reason it was probably the greatest game I've ever been part of was because, you know, let, let me tell you something. That team that Brandon had that year was on. Believable. When I say unbelievable, I mean unbelievable. Um, and they were the best team in the state, hands down. Division one, division two, division three on down. They were the best team in the state. Wow. Uh, we had to motivate our guys, dude. Like no lie, we went into. I played Rocky films beforehand. Told them <laughs> we're Rocky, and you know they were the Russian, and we can beat them. You know, just trying to get them guys to buy into it, man. Uh, they got to steal late, man, and the, the, the layout was controversial. But at the end of the day, man, 
uh, we would have had to go play uh, Prairie. We would have had to go play Jason them anyway. Um, but I think we played the best game that we could play. And I think the best team overall won. And at the end of the day, that's, they deserve to win. I mean, when you look at their season and everything they went through and, and all the success they had all season, they deserve to go up there and they deserve to have that opportunity to host that ball. So I have no ill will or anything like that. Was the play controversial? Uh, yeah, when you see the replay. But I'm not saying that play cost us the game. You know what I mean? We made a lot of bad plays throughout the stretch of that game that we wish we had back. But they gave it uh, – my boys gave it all they had, man. And, you know, Brandon and them went up there and they took care of business. So it's all good. So, B. Joe, obviously you've seen that tape. It plays back a few times and you probably – Watched it a couple more times, maybe, maybe you didn't. Uh, down here in Kenosha, let me tell you, uh, I mean, the boys was ready to come up to the mill town and, and figure figure some things out. <laughs> uh, what, take us through those last few seconds. How, how did that feel? First of all, um, a lot of people probably don't know, or they might know, uh, what Jose just said kind of speaks to the character of him and our brotherhood, like, He's selfless, man. You know what I'm saying? I think we went out that night after that game and we talked about, you know, the play and, you know, we moved on and said, you know, brother, go win it for us. So that just, if this is ever a teaching tool in the podcast, that should be a teaching tool. That hey, At the end of the day, we, you know, um, we're, 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 we're uh, coaches of color that want to see each other succeed. And I think, you know, by Jose saying that, just, you know, kind of like push the envelope for us to get it done, you know. Uh, and then he came to the next guy. I don't know if I would have did. Or, no, I'm just playing. No, I would have you know. <laughs> uh, But um, that, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Everything Coach Winston said was right. Like, our guys were not – I mean, our main guys weren't ready for that. But you just had a few guys that was not ready to go home. And you can tell. The guy, you know, the guy who I, I, I think, Cam, you know, um, one of my players, he's playing at um, – Arkansas applying buff right now. He took a – I remember that that guy, he took a huge charge, like, at half court. I've mm-hmm. never seen – first of all, the refs the refs didn't get, no, you know, a rhythm in the game. So, it, it was it was, it was was bananas, man. Mm-hmm. They never got no rhythm because they were frustrated coming down to Milwaukee and playing in a gym like this. That's frustrating for the refs. With the fans on top of you, yep. you never got a consistent rhythm. So, they were really frustrated. And they were really ready to go home. You know, let's just put let's just put a, you know, let's just put it out there. They were yep. ready to go, yep. and I think first we went. That was the second overtime that uh, Pierre got that steal, dunk, uh, got the layup and dunked it. Yep. But just to just to replay back the game, man, um, it was one of those things where it's like definitely could have went either either way. But you know, your heart goes out to the Kenosha uh, St. Joe's because they, you know, it's just it's just they were a, a true. Uh, testament of their leader you know they did everything their leader do and that's what how i measure coaching you know i measure coaching by going out there and um it was the david david and goliath battle and shoot and and they almost overcame that battle if it wasn't for a a couple refs who didn't really want to give a rhythm to the gang which is you know that's still a pet peeve probably all ours you know just establish a rhythm you know they never did and then if they don't want to go home, if they don't want to leave Milwaukee, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what it was, you know. And you know how you you don't know what kind of reps you get uh, when it comes to the playoff. We got some playoff reps. I think they weren't even nowhere from 
Milwaukee. So they were ready to go. Yep. So shout out to Jose and Kenosha for that. And we just, hey, we were just, you know, ready to move on after that. Excellent. Just in one word, if you could mean, uh, if you could say what it meant to the city of Milwaukee to have two legendary players going into some legendary coaching uh, with B. Joe and, and Jose Winston coaching against each other in the playoffs like that. One word, what did it mean for the city of Milwaukee? Monumental. monumental. I think it's monumental. Okay. And, 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 and be some you don't know. Uh, Brown Deer, we played Brown Deer this year in the playoffs, man, and we, we, we you know, so that, that that sweet taste of revenge. If there's ever, uh, <laughs> you know, that's I, I got that sweet taste of revenge this year, but it, it definitely is always it's definitely always monumental. And you already you already know you got to come with it, plan or coaching versus winning. We're closing out this first segment. We'll catch back up with y'all in the second one real soon. Holler back. Yeah. yeah, we're back with the best damn podcast in the land. You can be more podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Morris. Uh, we have some really legendary players and coaches out of Wisconsin. Kenosha, Racine, Milwaukee, DePier. <laughs> uh, we're jumping into the second segment of this podcast. Uh, so let's dive right into this first question. Hall of Famer, we're coming to you. Nicole, what's the formula to success or, or just a winning program when it comes to coaching, whether it's high school basketball or college? But what's that winning formula? I think at any level, it comes down to the players and the players buying into the system and the players just having that camaraderie with each other. You can't. You, as a player, you can't be playing because you're scared to upset the coach or scared to make a mistake. You need to be playing for each other and playing because you don't want to let your teammate down or playing because, you know, you want to make your teammate proud of you or whatever. Um, but you got to play for each other in order to have success. I've noticed that the most successful teams have always been close with each other and had a good relationship off the court, not just on the court, but off the court, like, Though that's that's your circle of friends. Like you don't have friends outside of the team. <laughs> like your friends are are the team, and I've noticed that those teams have always been the most successful. Excellent. Can't wait to send this podcast to my players. We gotta catch that tip. Uh, anybody else want to jump in on that one? What's what's the what's that winning formula? Like consistently winning state tournament appearance. Um, Coach Hill. I think, um, <clears throat> answering that question, I think, again, uh, I'm piggybacking off of what Nicole said, um, trust in the process, um, build and trust, or I think, as you said, um, process and the trust. Um, we said one time, I tell my players a lot of times, is that I say, I don't care if I tell you to stand on one, jump on one foot at half court and rub your tummy. If I think it's going to help us win, I want you to do it. And um, I just want my players or I, just, I think the players, as long as they trust that whatever that coach is saying is going to help them win and they buy into that, it's going to go, the program is going to go a long way. But I think more importantly than that is that your the players have to be willing to essentially, you know, for lack of a better word, die for each other. Uh, 
they need to be able to dive on the floor for that loose ball, sacrifice themselves, sacrifice their body, their their stats, everything for the good or the betterment of the team. Um, I think that's a big thing, a key to winning to success and being able to challenge each other. Um, I tell my players all the time in practice, we aren't friends. We aren't friends in practice. Right now, for these next two hours, you are battling um, to make it, whether it's to get more minutes or to make the guy in front of you better. Um, but we are only as strong as our weakest link. So we need to be challenging each other to be better. If, if you know, my point guard can't bring the ball up the court, whose fault is that in the, um, in the game? Whose fault is that? Well, it's the guy that was behind him that didn't challenge him in practice and make him better. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. And then just overall just done being accountable um, to being in the gym, working in the offseason and getting better every single day. Uh, Coach Tanisoff, you've been winning in the playoffs quite a bit. Uh, what's that winning formula? What is that all about? Um, at Prairie, we, it's kind of unique. You know, we don't have football, so I, I had to hear a lot early on. You can't win at a school without football and, and that lack of physicality. We also didn't have kids who put much of a – priority on basketball so the first challenge was just getting kids basketball first kids um i encourage them to play other sports but kids who work on their games year round uh my first eight years i taught fourth grade and middle school phi ed and so i selfishly got them to love basketball at an early age and uh it's actually paid off but uh once you develop that culture after a couple years we always talk about building for early march and, um, you know, this year we lost our first few couple conference games and we just talk about it's all right. We're building towards March and we've been fortunate enough to to make sectional four years in a row. Unfortunately, we had to run into coach Brandon Joseph's team some of those years. And even after some of those kids graduated and we were lucky enough to get by them, we uh, ran into Ron Colley and, and played poorly. But I think getting kids to buy in is the biggest thing. Mm. Um to drown out all the noise, whether it's their parents, friends, social media, whatever the case may be, you need to listen to your coaches. And um, if you can accomplish that, um, you know, you got a chance. Excellent. Uh, Coach Leach, you've been around the game for 30 plus years. Uh, what's a winning formula? Uh, I wrote down some traits that, I, that I've seen. Um, in winning teams, and I, I have to say, uh, Nicole's comment really struck home. And, and I used to say, "Listen, you got to be able to play between the, 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 the lines. It doesn't. If you're not great friends, um, that's okay. But we can come together and play once we step inside the lines." And that wasn't true. Um, I really, I mean, I learned that that was a hard lesson. But traits, accountability. You got to be accountable to yourself, to your team. There's got to be work ethic. You have to be. I always tell my kids, you got to be dependable off the court. If I can't trust you to get to the classroom and, and, and do an assignment, do the small things, how can I trust you to do the, the things that we need to have done in pressure situations out on the floor? It doesn't happen. If you're not consistent and outside of your basketball life, you won't be consistent uh, as a basketball player. You have to have character to withstand the difficult times, and you got to be resilient enough to bounce back from those. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I've, I've seen 
kids, today's kids, and maybe it's the last five, six, seven years, struggle with that. And, and I think a lot of it can be um, upbringing, but I think as a coach, and I hope I'm doing a better job of that, you need to be supportive for them and, and help lift them. And the last thing I would say uh, is you have to be able to subjugate your ego when the moment requires. Um, you know, And you have to be able to step outside of those. If, if you're that special player for that group that you're playing with, you got to be able to know when I need to step up and take over and when the moment requires, when do I back off and, and involve my teammates. Excellent. Uh, Al Hansen, you've had some success in the four years you've been coaching. What is that winning formula? Um, honestly, I mean, I think Nicole really hit home with the camaraderie, you know, and the plan for something bigger than themselves. But I also think each year is different, you know, and you can have the same team, but, you know, doesn't mean that you're going to be as successful the next year. Um, there's a start of the season. Everyone is starting over fresh, regardless of what you did the previous season. So I think every year you're challenged to kind of build that camaraderie because you're still dealing with young men, young women. Um, you know, they're growing and they're, you know, their egos are changing daily. Their girlfriends or their boyfriends are breaking up with them. They're having certain, you know, dealing with certain social issues or whatever it may be off the court. So you got to figure out how to bring that together each and every year. Um, so I don't know if there's a real concrete answer on just laying a foundation. True, you can lay a foundation, but each year you're dealing with different attitudes and different kids. So I think building that camaraderie and also instilling a, a, a huge competitive edge um, early on, um, because we all know come March, the best teams doesn't always win. You know, and those those it's those ones who are resilient, like Coach just said, and those ones who re refuse to lose and have that competitive drive to not you know not want to lose at that point in the season. Those are the ones that advance. Uh, so that's kind of my take on a, a winning philosophy um, down the stretch in, in the playoffs. Coach Winston, what do you got for us? A winning formula. Again, I apologize about my screen. Um, <clears throat> I think it's it, it comes down to, to your culture. You know, I think that uh, you build a certain culture, and in, inside of that culture, uh, it has to be uh, losing is not acceptable. And I think that, that plays a huge role in just having success. When you have kids, uh, when you lay the foundation, you have kids follow that, uh, follow that foundation and, and understand what your culture is all about. They tend to win games, you know. Even if you're not that talented, they'll 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 leave it all out there on the line. And I think and I think like Al said too, it changes year to year, depending on the type of personnel that you have as well. Excellent, Coach B. Joe. I think um, one thing I, I can mimic. Uh, man, everybody pretty much said what I wanted to say, but one thing um, that might be trying you know, that I'm thinking about is um, having having an awesome staff. I think um, that's critical. Um, if, if, if you have some guys that's on the side of you that you can trust, that you can depend on, that you can lean on, and you can walk out of your, you can walk out of your practice environment and know that the same thing's going to happen if you were in there, then man, that's, that, that, that's, that's the building blocks to you know success right there because we know you know 
we wear many hats in our profession, you know, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, the adequate amount of teaching and the philosophy is getting driven in those student athletes in our absence or in, you know, or when we want to develop our, our, our uh, because I think we all in agreement to, I mean, I heard this a long time ago, but I, I don't want too many assistant coaches that don't want to be head coaches, you know, that, that that's on my staff, you know, and, and, and I want to be there as a building block for their career and um, utilize, and we can utilize each other and embrace each other up under the coaching tree. So uh, having an awesome staff, and once, you, and once you have an awesome staff, I think it will transcend to everything that we have heard today in regards to um, building, you know, the foundation for a winning philosophy for your program. Excellent. Coach Corey, you got a lot of, you got multiple rings uh, from your conference up at St. Norbert's. What's that winning formula that you guys have? Because obviously you guys have it over there. Well, I think I think some of you got to have a little luck along the way. You, you get in a game where you probably shouldn't win and maybe the buzzer goes off, a ball goes in, you know, all that type of stuff. You've got to have some luck. But um, I think B. Joe just said it. Um, you've got to have some really good people around your program. Um, you can't do it out with quality without quality administrators. You can't do it without a quality community support. You can't do it without quality staff, quality kids. At the college level, we're, we're fortunate enough. I could, you know, as a high, I've been a high school coach. I've been a college coach, and I always, I, I truly believe, high school coaches have the toughest job uh, in comparison because you don't get to recruit your kids. The kids that you have, they're coming in. That's who you have, and you have to, you have to mold and be more flexible for it for that and it speaks to the people around you it speaks to the head coaches um, as high school coaches and as a college coach for us we, we really focus on skill development um, develop developing our players as men um, developing them you know really off the court their ability to be in front of our alumni to be able to be in front of our boosters um, people that are, are supporting our program and really, you have to be consistent as a coach. Um, you have to show up every day and know our players need to know what to expect when they walk in. Um, you, can't, you can't ride the wave. You can't be high and low. You've always got to be very even-keeled as a coach with your players. On, you know, on the floor, it can be a little bit different, but off the floor, you have to be genuine. You have to, they have to have your trust. And really, uh, I would say the key for what we've done um, our head coach is phenomenal. He's one of the best I've ever been around, if not the best. And his ability to really think out every single thing we do, every minute is never wasted. Um, every minute is completely filled with our guys getting better. And when he starts our guys off with just the smallest thing, which people would say is small, but the ability to say thank you with what it means to serve your community, what it means to, to mean something to the people around you, you start with that. You start already with that mentality of this is bigger than just me. This is this is an entire community. We, I'm playing for my parents that have drove thousands of miles for my games all my life. I'm playing for the guy that's donating his time to, to run the scorebook. I'm playing for the 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 man that gave me maybe one hundred fifty dollars. You know, gave one hundred fifty dollars to the program just so that there's the opportunity for us to maybe go to an overseas trip. Um, I'm playing for all these different factors. And then not only that, but I'm playing for my teammates with me, my brothers. So if you can do that as a program, if you can establish that as a program, and, and Coach G 
has done that with us. And I, I've been so lucky and blessed to be with that with him. And to see that, it, it is special. And all these guys, every coach on this program is, has seen that. And they've built that. And it's special when you're a part of that. And it's something that's a lifelong thing and yet you're never, you're never away from because that's how it's built. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. Those are some nuggets. Uh, Coach B. Joe earlier talked about uh, teaching moments on the podcast. Uh, we are, uh, There's a lot of teachable moments, and we call them nuggets here on the, on the You Can Be More podcast, and you guys are dropping some, a lot of nuggets here. So we appreciate that. Uh, this next question is some, some of our listeners, our assistant coaches, and they wanted to hear from a lot of you guys as far as um, what advice would you give to those assistant coaches that are looking to be head coaches? Uh, so we have a lot of head coaches. And even though uh, Corey is an assistant coach at the, at the college level, he's been a head coach. Um so what what advice would you guys give? Anybody can jump in on this because I want to hear from each and every one of you guys. But uh, what advice would you guys give to a head coach or assistant coach that wants to be a head coach? Anybody? Go ahead, Corey. Sorry, I hate talking back to back. I apologize, fellas. Um, you know, my thing, you know, having seen it both ways, um, I, I think the biggest thing is understand you have to work hard there's no you show up some of the time you, you have to work as hard as you possibly can and you have to be an extension of your head coach you may not always agree and that's fine in fact head coaches don't need yes men yes men get you fired as a head coach yes men true create a losing system um but you need to do that in the right way you have to know your head coach you have to get to know them um you know i've been fortunate with gary that we um you know, we have a, a, a great relationship off the floor and on the floor. We can tell each other what we think and we trust each other's opinion um, to earn that trust. You have to do the work and you have to you have to be sure of what you're saying. It's not something where you can't think out what you're saying. Um, and you never can be afraid to tell your head coach a, a well thought out thing. Um, it always in that right way. And the other part is I never take it personal. If Gary tells me, no, Corey, that's that's a dumb idea, which is. I mean, he doesn't say in those words, but if he would, um, I, I don't get upset because I, my job is to give him all the information. He's the one that has to filter out what's going to be best for the program. Um, and as an assistant coach, that's my job. And if I take that personally, then I can't be an assistant. I can't. Um, and I have to be an extension of what they see. I have to understand their vision. I have to believe in their vision. And if I don't do that, then I shouldn't be there. Um, and then, you know, when we get into those, those ideas and those things, I have to understand that vision, align those. And then as an assistant network, your rear end off, get to know coaches, get to know people. You got to walk into the building. You have to understand everybody is always watching your extension of your program, your extension of the people around you, no matter where you are. I don't care if you're out with your family, you're out with your friends. When somebody comes up to you, have a conversation. You may not even know who that is. Hey, but, can you say that again yeah, for the coach yeah, in the back? He probably didn't yeah, hear you. You, 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 have, you are an extension of the program no matter where you are. Today's world with social media, there's no getting away with stuff. You have to you have to 
You have to be that extension. You have to be on, and you have to carry yourself that way. And networking is so important. You have to get to know, do as many coaches clinics as you can, do as many uh, webinars, podcasts, go talk to BMO, talk to B. Joe, Al Hanson, Marcus Hill, Jose Winston, Jason Atanasoff, Greg Leaches. Go and spend time with those people and always learn. Always learn. You're never bigger. And go go have listen to Nicole Drummond, Shashelshik. But you always have to go and learn. And um, when you do that, you give yourself a chance because you never know that person that you run into might give you your once in a lifetime opportunity. And the other part is always look presentable. You you gotta be. You gotta look. You gotta look the look because you again are an extension of who you are. That program that day and be present. Look to look. Wow, that was a good tip. I see them Euro suits uh, that uh, Al Hansen was wearing up at the state tournament. Man, look to look. Anybody else want to chime in on that? Give some advice to these assistant coaches. Coach Hill. Um, I would say, number one, be humble. Um, just like Corey just said, you you may have different ideas. You may present those ideas to the head coach, and he may not like them. He may say no, but – you can't take that person. It's, uh, it's your job to not be a yes man. Um, it's your job to give that, give those opinions, but don't be um, feel some type of way of that opinions not taken. Um, but the other thing that I would say is be a sponge. Um, no matter if you like the system or that's the system, you would do something differently if you were the head coach. Be a sponge and learn everything that you can um, from that coach because it's the reason why he is the head coach, mm. uh, why they are the head coach. Be a sponge and learn learn everything from that head coach, other coaches, books, clinics, whatever um, the case may be so that you can broaden your horizon to your philosophies and, and, um, and schemes. Um, and the other thing that I would say is that um, being a head coach, you know, being a, for me personally, I've been a head JV coach, but then an assistant on varsity, you know, being a head JV coach is kind of like you deal with your players, you come to practice, you go to the games and you're done. Being a head coach at the varsity level isn't that. There's so many other things that you have to deal with. And I would say that taking every moment or opportunity to be on with that with that head coach and help him with any other task that he needs to do or they need to do um, or take over those tasks so that you can get used to being able to juggle seven or ten different things on game day or on pr- practice days or whatnot um, and just getting the whole embodying the whole thing of what it is to be a head coach um, because a lot of people get into it and think that all they have to do is just show up to practice or show up to the games and that's it. Uh, but taking on all those different other responsibilities. And then the last thing I would definitely say, and I've seen this personally from other assistant coaches on different teams that I've been a part of, if the head coach makes the kids learn the game plan, you need to know that game plan and know that scouting report too. You need to know that scouting report like the back of your hand because there's going to be a moment in that game where that coach, where that head coach is going to turn and look to you at the bench and is going to you know, look for some type of device and if you or ask who to foul or what player they're running or whatnot. And if you don't know, what's the point of you being on the bench? True, true, true. Anybody else want to touch on that, giving assistant coaches that are looking to be head coaches some type of advice? Anybody else want to jump in? Jason, go ahead. Yeah, I think for just to 
piggyback on what Corey said, networking is huge because whether right or wrong, a lot of the people who get jobs, whether coaching or not, in the world today is based on who you know or connections you made, whether at a clinic or on a golf course or wherever it may be. Um, and the late, great Tim Rucks at Carthage, I remember him, he would sit down the coaching staff and say, your number one job is to support me to players and parents. Whether you agree with me, no matter what it is, you can never badmouth a head coach. Your reputation will get out there real quick. So supporting that head coach to, to anyone who may ask, and then when you have disagreements, that, that's a one-on-one conversation that you have Excellent. with the head coach. Um, and, and then just you know, knowing that you're valued. Dave Ray would always say to me, uh, can we cuss on this podcast? Oh, whatever. He would always say, I know you effing hear me. And he would say a hundred suggestions a game. And, and, you know, we would maybe do three or four of them. Um, but there's just so much as a head coach that's going through your mind. But as the assistant, you know, you, you view the game differently. Don't be scared to, to point things out to the head coach and just know that he or she always hears you, whether they implement it or not. Uh, don't be scared to insert yourself. Yeah. Greg, go ahead. So, yeah, a lot of great points by Jason and, and Corey. Just a couple of things that I wanted to add. Um, some assistants sit on the bench and coach as if they're the head coach. Um, I'm doing that already. There are other things, granular things, um, that I need for you to be watching so that I don't miss them because I'm taking the look of a whole. I need you to look at some of the parts and help build me up. Um, I'm looking for great assistants because they're going to make me a better coach. Yep. Um, I think it, an assistant needs to find a mentor, learn everything that they can from them, and put in the effort and the time. Um, and you won't have to force or self-promote yourself as somebody who can be a head coach. People will find you. Um, it will be evident. And I go back to, Brandon, the last year that you were with me. Um, I can't – it's my responsibility to give assistants opportunities to grow. So whether it was defensively and, and we played some matchup and, Brandon, I said, this is you. You go ahead. You do your thing. You're coaching. I'm standing by the sideline. I don't have an ego. Uh, we're in this thing together. We're gonna We're going to win together, and whoever can make that happen – Again, that's 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 great for everybody. Um, and so I remember watching you, and it be and it was that last year. It was so evident that this guy is ready to run his own program, and it was just it was gratifying to watch. I mean, I was I mean, you coached with me for three years, I think, on the varsity level. It's not I'm, I'm not taking any credit for it, but when you were ready, damn it, any coach that was in the gym would know that just by watching the way you interacted with the kids, the way your intensity, the way you taught. Um, do the right things as an assistant, and as you do those, that that job will be that job will be waiting for you. Somebody else will notice you, I guarantee you. Excellent. B. Joe, Al, uh, Winston, anything you guys want to add to that? Go ahead, Al. I'll just add off of Coach Greg. I think the biggest thing is is kind of seizing your current situation, just making the best of your moment, you know, as an assistant coach, just doing the best you can as far as making that current program or wherever you are successful. Um, I mean, because the way I've always seen I don't really know 
too many guys coming from a losing program and getting a head coaching job. You want to be part of a successful program where you are and doing whatever it takes for that program to be successful, which, like Coach Greg said, it'll it'll naturally open the doors for you and just kind of stay the course and not put pressure on yourself and just keep trucking along every you know day by day. That's that's probably the, the best advice I can give you know for anyone trying to be a head coach. Excellent, appreciate that. Anybody else? Otherwise, we can move on. I would say I would say this: um, being authentic, man. Um, you get you get a lot of people out here, man, that you can read right through the lines and be like, "No, nah, man." You know, I, I'm just speaking of nobody I was around myself with. Yep. I'm just speaking upon like people who are trying to um, get rich, get rich quick schemes in terms of getting into the profession. You know, like yep. you, you can read right through them, man. You just got to be authentic. Um, when I mean authentic, you might not have that much um, initially to bring to the table, but if you get with the right person, they're going to bring what you, they're going to find some good that you do do and, and really expose that and, and make sure that you're going to get to the level that you need to get at whatever your goals is. You know, um, I, and the second thing I would say is just um, knowing that you got to sacrifice. Some, some's gearing come up short, buddy. You know, like you assistant coach, something's about to come up short, you know, and and, and just being, you know, uh, parallel honest, you know, as a head to the assistant, like, man, hey, something's about to come up short in your life. Are you sure? And having that honest conversation with your assistant, are you sure you <laughs> want to make this commitment? Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. You know, I don't think we should, you know, uh, sugarcoat it, but you got to be honest with the um, assistants, man. So my advice would, would be to, Hey, knowing that you're going to sacrifice something in your life, be authentic. And lastly, by, um, last but not least, we heard it over and over again, perfect your craft. You know, go to those clinics, go to those, you know, talk to those coaches, surround yourself about, surround yourself with expertise, you know, in the profession. And you got it, you know, and you got it. But, I'm, hey, man, I'm telling you, I I, w- I wouldn't want to send nobody off and let them know, like, hey, man, you got to sit here and just li- live the life that you want to live and you want to be a head coach. No, that, that ain't happening, boss. Right. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, now, this question, I'm sure you guys did some research, uh, and I may want to come to Coach Winston right away first. So, obviously, we all travel around the world or around the country as basketball players. And because we're from Wisconsin, we're always a representation of Wisconsin. And when they think of Wisconsin basketball, automatically, they're thinking of the Badgers. And when you think of the Badgers, um, over the last 25 years, and you look at the talent that's, that came out of Wisconsin – and not play for the Badgers, okay? Um, for me, and I hear it all the time, why isn't you know the Wisconsin Badgers one of the top 10 teams in the country every year that's in the conversation like the Dukes, the North Carolinas, uh, so on and so forth. So if you guys can, uh, we got multiple Division One players on here. Uh, Nicole was a Division One player. Uh, B. Joe, Al Hanson, Jose Winston uh, was. Those are all Division One players, 
and none of you guys played at for Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, so could you guys name some players? Um, and I'm going to start off with you, Jose, because um, you were in that bed of players. I mean, you play with – you got three state championships, so that means you had to have some talent. Uh, can you name some players in any of those eras, like from, you know, 1990 to 2000, so on and so forth? Can you name any of those players that didn't play at Wisconsin? Absolutely. I think uh, with that question, I, I, I tell people to understand that um, there's all different type of, type of circumstances that make you go to different schools. A lot of kids feel like their best opportunities may be away from home. A lot of kids get away from home because they need to grow. A lot of kids get away from home because they know that uh, the environment isn't healthy for them here. So I think sometimes the Badgers might miss out on some of those players because some of those players just need to get away. They just need to get away. They need to grow. They need to mature. Um, <clears throat> and it's all, let's be honest, we talked about this before earlier. I think I mentioned it's about fit, too. What fits you? You know, mm. what's the style of play? Uh what do you want to do after the school? You know what I mean? What what degrees are they offering and certain things like that? Um, I think w when we were coming up, man, I can well, I can name a lot. I, I look at uh, uh, Mike Wilkes, who was Mr. Basketball, who really wanted to go to either a Wisconsin or a Marquette, but had to go to Rice, but still had a really successful career um, and ended up playing in the NBA. You look at uh, a, Terry Bra a Terry Black, a Sanjay Adele, a uh, Marshall Williams, um, a Terry Sanders that went to Marquette. Um, and this is not an indictment on uh, Wisconsin's program. I just think that a lot of those, a lot of those individuals uh, needed to go away probably to kind of spread their wings a little bit and to find the best system for them. Um, I think Wisconsin has an excellent program if you fit their system. Yep. But that's every program, right? I yep. think Marquette has an excellent program if you fit their system. Yep. You know, Green Bay has an excellent program if you fit their system. Definitely. So I think it's just really system-based on um, with players coming out of the state. I mean, there's been players like you, like you, we can mention Devin Harris. Devin Harris went there and had a successful career playing in the NBA for X amount of years, but he fit that system. Yep. You know, but then I look at a Boo Wade who went there had a great career um, and, you know, had some other things that went on. But, uh, you know, he went there and was very successful as well. Marcus Landry went there and was very successful. So, you know, there's a lot of kids that go there that fit that system. But I think it's really about – it's really system-based and it's kind of where you're at in your life and what you need at that particular time. Mm, good points. Who else wants to speak on this? Corey. Great, great points, Jose. Uh, you know, I, I look at, you know, I, I look at Wisconsin has had unbelievable success. You look at the 18 out of the last 19 years outside of this year, they've been in the NCAA tournament, been to the Final Four. They've been national runner-up. You know, yeah, you, you can't keep everybody home. That's hard. It's hard to do. When you look at, like, Al, Al has, you know, a young man that's going to Duke. 
How do you turn down Duke? Those are the blue bloods. That's 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 a hard thing to turn down. How do you turn down North Carolina? How do you turn down Kansas? Um, they've they've been the blue bloods for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. I mean, James Naismith was the head coach at Kansas. You know, it that that that's hard to turn down. And like Coach Winston said, it's about fit. You know, if if you feel comfortable being there, that that's a big part of it. And um, you know, I think it started to turn. I think um, when Coach, when Michael Finley, Rashard Griffith were there, it started to lay the bedrock of Wisconsin really starting to become something. And then 2000 hit, and Coach Bennett, who did an unbelievable job, took that team as whatever seed they were, taking them to the Final Four. Um, you know, he took he had guys like Andy Kowski and some people, a lot of state-bred people, to, to get to the Final Four, and then Coach Ryan took it from there and and built it from there. Um, but like like you said, it's about fit. It's it's where you are, who you are. There's different standards everywhere. There's different things that you have to deal with. A lot of different factors that go in. Um, but I will say this: I don't know if there's been a more consistent program. I mean, even Duke has not made the NCAA tournament in that time. So you think about the consistency, or I mean, I should say North Carolina. I apologize, um, but you think about consistency. I don't know how many programs have been more consistent than Wisconsin in the last twenty years. Wow. Twenty-five, probably a few more, but consistency-wise, it's. I mean, they won the Big Ten this year with a bunch of juniors and sophomores. Yep. That that's hard. That's really hard to do, and um, they. I think they do recruit the top talent. Sometimes they don't get it. But that's, again, going back to fit. Anybody else want to speak on the players? I mean, we've had some very talented players that come up through Wisconsin. And for whatever reasons, like you guys keep saying, you know, the system that they just didn't fit. Uh, I can't imagine seeing uh, a B. Joe Al Hans playing at Wisconsin. However, if you look at a list of players, there's a lot of talent that what you would think should go to Wisconsin. Uh, but anybody else want to touch on that? G, go ahead. The only thing that I would say is, just as, as Jose said, it's a fit. The player looks at it. Is the school a fit for me and what I want to do uh, in my basketball future? But Make no mistake about it. I mean, Wisconsin is looking at some of these kids, too, and saying, are, do we think they are a fit for what we do? Uh, whether that be style of play, um, whether it's attitude. And I'm not throwing aspersions at anybody, but Wisconsin looks at it, too, and says, hey, do I think or do we think that they could fit this, this program that we have? Excellent. Anybody else? B. Joe? I know I always want to be the elephant in the room, but I don't think it's being said right now. Is When you think about Wisconsin program, you kind of think about the mafia. You know, it's, it's ran by individuals that's, you know, like if you don't get this certain type of individual, then we're going to get, you know, like, and this is, you know, this is just for me observing and being able to, you know, throughout the years and, and, and also – you know, let's just be honest. Um, hearing from hearing some feedback from people who went there. If you don't get this certain type of individual, then we're going to hold individuals accountable for it. We have to recruit this certain type of individual to fit the pedigree of our program and our system. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who went 
flew, you know, I know the city of Milwaukee, first and foremost, you know, Wisconsin's probably up there in terms of the academic rigor. Uh, we're, 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 I mean, unless somebody know what I know, like, ain't nobody here ain't go there and, you know, be able to, you know, uh, without, you know, a plethora of tutors or something <laughs> out there and, 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 and be legitimate, you know, in terms of getting the grades that they need to do. You know what I'm saying? And then um, I think it's it's ran by, it's, it's, it's ran by, like, you know, we always watch these shows and these people that be, um, it's somebody, you know, yeah, you have your coach, uh, Coach Guard and, and Coach Bennett, and then before that, you have those coaches, but I don't think they have the leeway that we think they have. You get what I'm saying? Like, because if they did, I think you'll see a whole ter- a whole different pattern of personnel that will go through Wisconsin. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Like, they, they provide the system, but I don't think they have the leeway that we think they have, you know. Um, but I, I agree with Corey. Like, I'm a Wisconsin fan because they are the most successful uh program you know um throughout the years but i think we just don't break it down in terms of logistical wise and 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 looking you know getting embedded in like oh man they can't you know i don't think they have to say so that we think they have because if they did they'll offer this kid if they did they'll offer this kid because you know good guy good goddamn well like you you got some kids on our team you i would have been offered a lot of those kids you know as a coach I don't care guard, where, whatever, you know, the siblings and those guys, they they could, they can go run that system and, and, and deserve an offer. But it just leads, it just leads me to believe that it's something, a, a hierarchy that's really controlling that Western, which is, isn't nothing wrong with it because they've been successful with that, you know, that, um, that type of, um, uh, program. So. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, it, it, um, I mimic a lot, a lot of things that a lot of other people didn't say. It. I think it's, you know, the system, the situation. And can kids just go there and be successful, you know, uh, for the kids that we want to go there and be successful? And it, it, I, I, don't, I don't want us to be irrealistic, not realistic about that. A lot of the kids that we want to go there, they're probably not going to be successful in Wisconsin because they probably need to get away from home. <laughs> but, B, if you don't mind me jumping, I think that too goes with system. I, I think back to when, and you guys may remember this, Brandon, you're a little younger than us. Um, and actually, shoot, I'm getting up in age. So, Jason, they're a little younger than me, you, and and Coach G. But, uh, you know, you look at the different personnel. Every school has their different personnel, right? Not saying Wisconsin not recruiting any of these kids because I know firsthand that they are. They recruited me. They recruited the Marshals and everybody else. But I'll tell you what, you have a different kid at Wisconsin when Stu Jackson was there. And then Dick Bennett had his certain kid. And, you know, Coach Guard had his certain kid. So, again, a lot of it goes back to a little bit what Coach G said, too. Um, It's about system. But yet they're also looking and saying, do that kid fit our system as well? So I think it goes back that to that as well. I mean, when you look at when Stu Jackson was there, he had Tracy Webster, he had Michael Finley, he had uh, Griffin. He, I mean, them True. all inner city Chicago boys. Yep. yep. You know. So, but it was a completely different team than what it may be now, and it just it's just system. Either I mean, not saying either system is wrong because since Stu was there, Wisconsin has been successful. Period. You know. 
um, in any system, but it, it all goes back on as as that coach, who's that coach and what they want. True. You know, and what fits them. Excellent. Um, so this last question that we want to hit on, unless somebody else want to speak to that. I was just going to chime in and just say that um, I was a gra- I'm was a graduate of uh, UW-Madison, and I think one of the biggest things is kind of piggybacking off of what a lot of people said was just the fit. Um, and a lot of times when – because I've seen it from the football team, basketball team, guys come in and they got recruits with them, so they're bringing them out to the party and, you know – kicking and trying to show them a good time but for some people that's just not their that's not that's not their scene Mm. that's not where they want to be around yep and so it's not appealing to them you know you can see you got recruits and they're just not even having fun and everybody else is having a good time (laughs) but that's not their scene yep and you know and i think that that plays a big a big major role into it and i think going off of what um coach uh, b joe was saying that maybe guard and those guys just don't have the pull, you know, being on campus firsthand, being around players on the football team, basketball team and whatnot, a lot of times they don't have that pull. A lot of times Madison isn't going to budge where another school where Duke or someone else might say, um, might um, say we're going to let this kid come in at the NCAA minimum or Wisconsin isn't. Yep. And that's why sometimes they're just not going to recruit that kid or they're going to pull that scholarship away or whatever. They're not going to lower their standards, you know, a whole lot of times. Excellent. Yeah, unfortunately. But, you know, and they, they and I and I know from, you know, going there, they have Wisconsin has this crazy formula that if you got your um, this GPA or this ACT score, you're going to be this successful. And. So they, they only live by that formula where they got kids that come in and, you know, that formula said they're not going to be successful. But they come out with 3.5s. So they, you know, they have to get off of that formula if they want to get some other kids in, in, into, the, into the school. Excellent. Appreciate that. So, hey, B. Yeah. B, last thing. Let me ask you a question. What's the difference between Wisconsin and Marquette? Uh, the system. Because Marquette. They're not recruiting as many uh, kids in our state either. If you look at their roster, their roster is filled with kids outside of the state. And the kids that do go to them in the state have all transferred out. What's the difference? Yeah, I, I guess there's I guess there's no difference. I, I put that question back to to the uh, to the group. Uh, I specifically uh, say Wisconsin because when you go outside of the state. Uh, let's just say you're down in the southern states. When we talk about basketball and you, you want to talk about Wisconsin, uh, very hardly ever does UW-Green Bay get mentioned, UWM gets mentioned, um, Marquette barely gets mentioned. Wisconsin is always the one that gets mentioned. So Wisconsin is obviously the representation for our state. And... Uh, Wisconsin's obviously in the forefront, and I think Coach Corey mentioned it earlier. Is why they get mentioned is because they're relevant every year, they're winning every year. Uh, but to answer your question, there's there's no difference. It's just you know the systems that they have, and then the coaches that they bring in. Um, so yeah. Last question, uh, just to end the podcast. I know it's getting late. 
we all been watching The Last Dance. Uh, any basketball lovers, um, guys that play basketball, guys that coach it, you grew up around it or you didn't. If you love the game of basketball, even if you didn't love the game of basketball, I'm sure you tuned in to The Last Dance. A lot of people consider Michael Jordan uh, the greatest player of all times. If you ask him, he he doesn't want any part of that. He doesn't think that's a fair that's a fair um, assessment. Uh, so he did say this. You know, this is what I did and how I competed, and this is who I am. This is a part of me. If you don't like it, if you don't want to play that way, you know, then don't. This is what I did. So obviously with our with age, as you get older, uh, we get context. So what does that quote mean to each one of you? Uh, we're going to go around the circle. We're going to go youngest uh, to the eldest. And I think Al Hansen, you might be the youngest on here. What does that quote mean to me? Yeah. First of all, this, you know, growing up watching Michael Jordan, I was, I was really, I watched basketball, but I didn't understand basketball. Mm. So being able to sit back these past, this past month or so and watch, you know, just the way he carried themselves and just to see the chip that he played with and everything like that. um, It makes me more appreciative, you know, to be able to, at least see him during my lifetime. But yeah. uh, I wasn't a huge Michael Jordan fan. You know, I, I love Penny Hardaway. Oh, you know? okay. Well, I was I was a little bit later, you know, so those guys who were coming that tier kind of when Jordan was, you know, kind of getting a little past his prime. Yeah. Not necessarily past his prime, but that next generation. Um, but for that, for what he says was, hey, you know, I think that was just him being a little – Reserved and conservative of himself. Um, I don't think he would have said that off camera. Um, you know, but I do think what he's saying is really that, you know, this is how I got it done. You can't take away what I've done because it's been successful. Um, you either, you either going to love it. You got to love it because you got no, you got no other choice, really. You got to accept me for my success. So, I think he's just saying, you know, his numbers don't lie, his rings don't lie, and um, you just got to accept them. So, okay. but it makes me appreciate him a whole lot more, for sure. Coach Marcus, Coach Hill, 30 seconds or less, what does that mean to you? I would say what that means to me is, you know, I'm going to go out there. Uh, he, what he did is he went out there and he competed to the utmost at all times. Um, and I was where was never going to take losing for an option. Um, and if you can't roll with that, then you, to me, that's, you mean to him telling you, you are okay with losing. I think in one of the episodes where um, they made him, you know, couldn't play more than 20 minutes and he was upset because, you know, they're trying to make the playoffs. Like, you're okay not making the playoffs? You're okay not winning? Like, that's not okay with me. And he's basically saying that, you know, I want to win in everything, whether it's goldfish, it's it's sorry, it's <laughs> trouble, it's connect four. I want to win. And yeah. if you're not going to – we're not on the same page, then we ain't got to be on the same page, but you're not going to be on my team. Excellent. 
Jason. Yeah, I go back to, uh, it made me think of a Kobe quote. I don't know the exact quote, but along the lines of, uh, he just doesn't like or understand mediocre people. Um, and I think he got that from Jordan and that mentality. And um, it really struck me when he got emotional. And my wife was reading a book and I actually rewound it like three or four times just to watch it again. And um, I mean, I can only imagine my guess is that it just brought back all those feelings and emotion and that passion that he probably hasn't felt in a while. Cause yeah, he loves gambling and smoking cigars and betting on golf, but to take him back to his playing days, um, that was Something truly special to watch. Uh, Corey. Um, I, I would say I think everything is that's been said so far is really good. Um, you know, I think what he was also saying um, is no matter what moment you're in, just be it. You know, do everything you can to be the best you can, no matter what you're doing. And if you fault me for that, fine. But I was successful. This is what it is. And, and the thing that strikes me about Michael Jordan, I did not hear one single time in there any doubt of whether he was great. Not one doubt. Not one doubt of failure. Not one question of, you know, this might not work out. Um, the, the greatest, no matter what, know it's going to work out because they know they're going to prepare like it's going to work out. And what I was most impressed about Michael Jordan in this, and I never realized this watching him as a fan. I grew up a big fan of Michael Jordan. But he pulled his teammates. He pushed his teammates. And they may not have liked him, and that's okay. It shows that to be successful, not everybody's going to like you. But you know what? They're going to respect you. They're going to understand why you're doing it. And after the fact, they're going to, they're going to love you more after the fact. Nicole. I would say to me that quote speaks to how much the game has evolved. Just because you look back to how Jordan played, how maybe we played, um, how physical we were, how much we took, how much we played through, um, how much fight we have. And I don't want to knock today's generation, but <laughs> it's, it's different. <laughs> um, I just feel like that quote speaks to how much tougher and how much more we had to fight. And you want to try to teach that to the next generation, but the next generation is going to have their own way of doing things and not to say that it's right or wrong or anything, but that's going to be the way their way of doing things. Excellent. Be Joe. Quote, quote again. I promise I'll be 27. <laughs> so he mentioned, um, that, you know, this is how I did and how I competed. This is who I am. If you don't want to play how I play, then don't. Okay. All right, that, that, that resonates with me because um, I'm looking at a, um, at, at, at a Brady Bunch, uh, like, thing, uh, like, uh, winner, like, winning, our common, our common denominator, everybody I look at this screen is winners. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and at the end of the day, that's and ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, uh, sometimes we get looked at differently because of the way we, you know, um, view um, our 
aspect of the way we, the route we want to go to get our, our kids to win. But, you know, we have a deeper purpose in mind. And that's, that's all Jordan was about. You know, a lot of people call him a bully. A lot of people want to call him like the, these type of names. But at the end of the day, um, if you can, if you can gather anything from him that was really a deep, profound message, it'd be that he really was a winner. You know, he, he, he was a winner. And, and that's what I see right now. That's a part of this podcast, a bunch of winners. And, and we got it. And, and that just confirmed. That was just a confirmation note uh, watching the last dance. Mm. Coach Winston. Um, I think the thing that resonates with me is when he said uh, success has a price. Mm. And I think that the thing about Michael Jordan that I've always admired is, one, his professionalism. Um, The second thing is how competitive he was. And the third thing is, you know, uh, what he did outside of the court. You know, the man, the man couldn't live a normal life. You know what I mean? So if we put that in context, like, I don't know how many people can do the things that he did. But the thing that resonates with me most is just what he said, like, success has a price. And whatever that price was, he was willing to pay it. Wow. Phenomenal. Uh, Coach Leach. Okay, I'm going to give you a different perspective as a Bulls fan my entire life and I go back to the 70s listening to him play a three game series Artis Gilmore was the center so huge fan I, I watched Jordan come up and uh, as he said you know there were a lot of a lot of drugs at that time so think about this kind of guy and his mentality coming into Chicago and seeing what he saw um, think about his entire career and I, no disrespect to anybody, he played with bits and pieces that were put together, uh, whether it was Bill Cartwright, Luke Longley, uh, the shooters that were on the perimeter, the defenders that were brought to play. Scotty Pippen, great player, one of the top 50 of all time. He hardened Scotty Pippen. Scotty Pippen, for a lot of his career, early on after he got drafted, was considered soft. And so... When he, t- when he spoke at the end and tears came to his eyes, I think hearing some of what was said about him, he felt underappreciated. Mm. He sat there as the greatest of all time, knowing where he stepped in and where the Bulls program was, to now being six championships out of eight years. And to hear people say that, and he's thinking, I brought this program from the depths. Nobody was interested in the Chicago Bulls. And I got them to six championships, and I, I pulled them. I tugged them along. I made some of those guys greater. I made those players got contracts after they left the Bulls that they probably didn't deserve. They were better players because he was playing around them. And I just think he truly felt underappreciated. And I just want to give, give me another 30 seconds because I mentioned this when I asked the question to Nicole. Yep, but I yes. did some research, and we were talking about Wisconsin players and – Bear with me for 30 seconds. I'll get you there. But Wisconsin players in a study I found from 2014 to 2017 produced 0.7% of the nation's D1 recruits. The girls in Wisconsin produced 1% of the D1 recruits between 2014 and 17. The, the highest 
was Maryland produced 5.2% of boy recruits and they produce 4.6% of girl recruits. Gets me to my point. Prince County, Maryland, there's a, a, a show on Showtime. It's called Basketball County in the Water. Um, it was kind of, as I was going through and I saw Maryland produce boys and girls almost 10% of the recruits. And then I'm trying to watch this show and I haven't finished it yet. But for those of you on the podcast and, and those big basketball fans, it's on Showtime. Basketball County, in the water, Durant, Oladipo, a lot of NBA players came from Prince County, Maryland. Check it out. Wow. Interesting. 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 Uh, (laughs) Any uh, closing words uh, that you guys would give just overall about the podcast tonight? And I want our listeners to know that we got a three-time state champion on here as a player. Uh, We got a coach on here that that won a state championship within four years. We got another coach that won a state championship uh, on here. We got uh, as a coach, and he's been to the state tournament twice as a player. We got another coach on here that's uh, been to the state tournament multiple times, won one. Uh, there's some heavy hitters on here, other coaches that played uh, at the state tournament and coached at the state tournament. Got some, sorry, if you could leave this segment with just a few words, uh, again, 30 seconds or less, what would you leave it with about how, how are you feeling when you're walking away? Uh, this is a, I think this might be the most legendary uh, uh starting podcast roster that we've had there's a lot of star in my eyes there's a lot of star power here um just 30 seconds or less we're gonna go from oldest to youngest uh how would you leave it 30 seconds or less even though al hansen he looked like the youngest on here and i guess he is and that's cool and everything um, how, how how would you leave it, uh, Coach Coach Leach? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to answer this the way you're looking for, but uh, I do think this is the best and most powerful podcast that we've done so far. And I just want to give everybody was great, um, but Jose Winston, uh, you're the guy that replaced me at St. Joe's. I don't really know you, but I sat and listened uh, to everything that you had to say, and I. I think I found myself nodding 99% of the time. Uh, I absolutely enjoyed you. And people that know you and know me may laugh about it, but I sitting here listening to you, I almost think we're kindred spirits, but I absolutely enjoyed your perspective. Excellent. Uh, so just to give you guys a little bit of context, those of you guys that are listening, uh, we got head coach Greg Leach that's at uh, Kenosha Bradford High School who was formerly coaching at Kenosha St. Joe's High School, and then Coach Winston uh, replaced Coach Greg Leach at Kenosha St. Joe's, and then uh, I am following up behind Coach Jose Winston at Kenosha St. Joe's. So we got three St. Joe's Lancers uh, on this podcast tonight, which just, that just blows it out the water. Um, we don't care what Racine Prairie folks thinks. 
Uh, anyways, <laughs> moving on to the next one, Jose Winston. I got a question. Am I older than Jason? Yeah, you older than Jason. Jason, oh, man. he's a young Jay, no. puppy. He graduated in 2001. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> Coach Lee, uh, thank you for that, man. I think I think the biggest thing, Brandon, that, um, and I think Lee's touched on it before, we don't really know each other. Um, but it's just funny how uh, people try to put you against other people, you know. Um, they try to they try to uh, bring out the spears and make you want to throw spears at other people. And the thing I pick up on this podcast is is just you learn from everyone, man. And that the biggest thing is that whether you're male or female, uh, the coaching tree is a family. And many of us share the same ideas. Many of us share the same thoughts. And many of us believe the same things. And many of us have the same intentions for uh, – most of the young people that we're coaching and most of that and those intentions mostly fall on uh we want them to be successful we want them to be extremely successful and we want them to be productive citizens when this game and when that ball stops bouncing so i just think that you know i think it's an opportunity where you get to know new people don't be afraid like uh i think coach Corey said don't be afraid to network don't be afraid to to meet new people uh talk to new people and, and just continue to grow in this craft because uh, everyone, there's somebody that knows more than you. So just lean on those people, man. Grow from those people, man. And don't hold any grudges. Uh, get to know people before you develop uh, different thoughts about those individuals. So we appreciate you, B, for having me on. And I appreciate having the opportunity to be on with all these guys, man. And I just think that, especially in the time that we're in, this COVID-19 thing, man, that this thing is very, very uh, therapeutic. Appreciate it, Coach. Uh, Coach B. Joe. Uh, I kind of I mimic uh, some of the things that's been said already, but um, first, B. Mo, uh, appreciate you, you know, for letting us on, man. You know, like, this is definitely a – Winston said it the best. It's definitely been therapy for a lot of us. All I've been watching is documentaries, film, um, and and I've been watching documentaries, film, and an old film. You know, in regards to like and binge watching, you know, our favorite TV shows, man. So be, doing something a little creative and different, and and, and gathering like minds is definitely therapeutic. You know, because we're we're we're, we're 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 kind of like, you know, we're unusual, you know, being coaches and and, love, and being passionate about what we do. Um, if I can leave anybody with anything, is it, it's the um, spirit of brotherhood and sisterhood in regards to what we do because we all share commonalities, and the commonalities in is we want to see what's best for the student athletes that we serve. You know, I think um, I've I've I, I have initiatives. Be Mo, I know you got initiatives to see the best out of our community and see the best for our, our student athletes that we serve. And I think that's um, at the threshold of why we do what we do. Coaching is one thing, but that just gives us the mic. Like I said earlier, coaching just gives us the mic to be able to, uh, for us to platform, um, to be able to do what we do for our community. So I thank you again, man. And um, I thank 
um, being being a part of this because, like you said, like I'm 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 looking at the screen and I'm just um, ecstatic um, being able to uh, be a part of such um, legacies that these individuals are geared to be a part of or already then laid the foundation to be a part of. So, man, I'm, I'm humbled to be a part of it. And whatever else you need for me to build this platform called BMO uh, Podcast, man, I, I'm ready for it, man. But, and thanks again. Hey, just real quick, B. Joe, uh, did any of you other uh, other coaches on here, did any of you guys go JUCO? I did. So just me and B. Joe, so we won up on them. We went JUCO. Yeah, yeah, we won up. <laughs> JUCO, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went JUCO. Yeah, yeah, two years. Uh, all right. Hey, B. Moe, uh, B. Moe, all the rest of us passed the ACT test. <laughs> <laughs> I without a doubt, Flunk. Oh, uh, uh, Coach Winston want to bring up old oh, shit. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Okay. Uh, Coach Corey, go ahead. That's hard to follow. Uh, <laughs> um, um, no, to me, it's like Coach B. Joe said, Coach Jose said, um, and, and Coach GL said, this is, for me, it's enriching. It's, I'm thankful. B, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, you and I will go way back. I love you like a brother. And uh, to me, I, I really get inspired by this. Um, I enjoy this time having those conversations. And for me, I'm like a little fan because uh, Jose, I, I, I mean, obviously I know Coach Winston through coaching. But when I was like a middle schooler, I'm not going to age you, Coach Winston. <laughs> but when I watched the point guard, as a point guard, I wanted to be like, Jose Winston at the state tournament winning these state championships. Mm. And I was thankful that I got to have a chance to do that through through ours. And to me, um, this, this is this is just, it's fun. It's fun. It's, it's a time of brotherhood. It's a time of sisterhood, like Coach B. Joe said. And we're all in this together. And we love, we love what we do. And to learn is, is exceptional. Excellent. Thank you for that. And by the way, this kid is from Seymour, Seymour, Wisconsin. He's a fan of Jose Winston. So that just kind of tells you guys how the basketball world works. It just spreads out. Nobody even heard of Seymour before. If you look it up on the map, you won't find it. But we ain't even going to talk about that. So that just tells you how amazing this game is that uh, a kid – Snotty knows from the, I don't know if he live off of Capitol or not, if he grew up off of Capitol, but at uh, Milwaukee Vincent and going to the state tournament, got a kid from Seymour who's looking up to him and want to be like him. That's, that, that's just, that's amazing. Um, Nicole. So I just want to say thank you, Brandon, for allowing me to be the first woman on your podcast. <laughs> And providing the female perspective. Um, But no, I think it was good because I think, I don't think, I think whether you're male, female, whatever, you, across the board, like, coaching, playing, it's the same lens or a very similar lens. You're looking for the same things. You're trying to accomplish the same things. Um, I just think it would be cool, though, if, like, continuing having, like, maybe 
um, the female perspective. I think that I think that could go a long way. Um, I mean, because Kenosha's had a lot of great female athletes: Jamie Gray, Allison Sosnovar, Jenny Knight, with Cindy Cook. Um, so, I mean, I think it would just be cool to continue this trend of having, you know, the female perspective on your on your growing podcast. Yeah, we we certainly agree. I think uh, now that you said that, we got to have maybe uh, uh, all girls starting five uh, on here and have you back on here. Uh, that's that's an excellent idea. We're gonna take you up on that. Um, Yo, I'm, I'm I'm biased because she's my wife, but she has held her own tonight. Ex- you're right. She's a Hall of Famer. Any other? I think Coach Winston might be the only other Hall of Famer. Maybe Coach Leach. Any other Hall of Famers on here? No? Okay. Um, yeah, Hall of Famer. Wow. Uh, who's next? Jason? Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, as Nicole mentioned, it's a growing podcast, and I think Corey said St. Norbert's will start sponsoring this soon and get you some money and some commercials. But uh, I think uh, when I first started – you know, I was, as an athlete, more known for football and baseball, and I would always just try and pick and choose from different coaches and different sports what I liked and didn't like. But as I've gotten more into it, I mean, I can't tell you how much I learned from Jose those eight, nine years that we coached against each other. And, and I wouldn't share this with him, but his demeanor, the way his play, players respected him, the couple of times we faced Bradford, and even just going to scout Marinette at Bradford this year, the way Greg conducts himself – I probably thought about that a dozen times this season. Um, and Brandon, the last two years, you know, Brandon's someone I've looked up to as a peer for, you know, since I was a little kid. And so I think picking and choosing what you like about certain coaches is important to how you want to conduct yourself and how you want your players to view you. Um, and I'll just end with, this is a conversation Brandon and I had a while ago, whether high school or travel basketball, um, we should all be rooting for local kids no matter what school they go to, what travel team they play for. I mean, I want Andrew Aaliyah to go Division One. You know, I, I want Greg's players to, to do as well as possible and go to the best schools possible. And I just think there's too much, this kid didn't come to my school, I'm going to say bad stuff about him and, and things like that. So we should all be rooting for our local kids. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Coach Hill. I uh, uh, just want to first say thank you again, Brandon, for uh, having me on. Um, definitely learned a lot um, and got a different, lot of different perspectives from all the different coaches and uh, on on today. Uh, most are already new, some just meeting for the first time, um, and then just getting to be in the presence of everybody. A lot of people said that uh, it was therapeutic. Um, you know, yeah, I'm out here in the nice weather in LA, but not dealing with basketball right now and just to be around and be able to talk basketball, talk sports, um, you know, with, with my peers is, was definitely, um, something that I needed, um, for myself. Um, and it was also a pleasure. Like I haven't really had the chance to meet, you know, Jose, um, coach Winston, uh, face to face, but I'm like, a, I think one or two years behind him, but I went to Greenfield and while he was at Vincent winning all those championships and I remember my, you know, I'm just going to share this, um, this embarrassing moment. 
But um, I remember playing, I think I was like a um, freshman or sophomore, but um, we had ended up playing Vincent uh, one year, and we got cream. We got we got beat pretty bad, um, but I remember getting a steal, and I thought I could take off from the three-point line, but I was, at that moment, I was so, te- uh, for the free-throw line, I was so terrified that Marshall or James Wright or somebody was going to come up and, and block me that I took, I had that steal, and I can't, jumped from the free-throw line trying to do a finger-roll layup, and when I realized I wasn't going to get to the rim, I had just had to throw it up off the backboard. That was the most embarrassing basketball moment I ever had in my life. But that was playing against Coach Winston uh, when I was about a freshman or sophomore in high school. Damn, how old is Coach, it, Coach Winston? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> he got he got too many guys talking about memories. I gotta I gotta figure out his age. <laughs> Oh man, uh, Coach Hanson. I'm gonna keep mine short. I really can't say is you know anything that hasn't been said. But you know, Bmo, obviously, thank you for having me on. Man, I've been, you know, we go way back. You know, yeah. When you know you're a senior at Green Bay, my freshman year at Milwaukee, and you know, obviously, the connection we we've had since I was in high school. But you know, I'm thankful that you kind of putting this together, man, allowing us coaches to get together on this platform and, you know, hear from different perspectives. And, you know, this kind of thing makes it possible for what Coach Jay said about, you know, rooting for each other's kids. You know, this type of platform, we're all able to kind of get to know each other better, which we can kind of all connect and try to make the best thing happen. What we're ultimately doing it for is, you know, is for these kids. So I'm thankful for that, man. I'm thankful for the fellowship. Um, not being able to watch sports and, you know, do all of that and just be able to have this therapy in my back room yeah. and talk hoops, man. It's been a while for me. So <laughs> I'm thankful, man. I appreciate you guys. You know, the, I'm a lifelong learner and I've learned a lot tonight, you know, from everybody's perspectives. My fellow Panthers, what up, Nicole? Uh, but yeah, no, I'm thankful. Um, I, I appreciate that it. Talk, it was great. Uh, so, yeah, just to close us out, uh, this has been phenomenal. Uh, every week it keeps getting better and better. Uh, you guys definitely uh, topped it off. Last week we had some guys from Minnesota that checked in with us. Uh, the week before that we had guy, a guy from uh, L.A. and a few other places. And every week has been getting better and better. I think it's going to be extremely hard to top the, the individual and team accolades um uh that you guys have accomplished as high school players as well as uh coaches winning state championships uh very impressive I'm, I'm i'm so excited to and proud to know you guys and be connected to you guys and and appreciative uh that you guys accepted uh just being a part of the podcast so I'm humbly grateful, and I thank you guys. Um, maybe in a few weeks we've got to have you guys back on um, to talk more about different subjects, you know, still on the basketball topic, but more on the recruiting side. I know a lot of people want to hear from you guys when it comes to uh, giving advice to players going on to college, uh, so on and so forth. 
So we may have you guys back on in a month or so just to talk about that whole aspect. Obviously, you guys have had players that have went off to college, uh, some high major, mid-major, so and Division One level. So definitely like to have you guys back on. Once again, appreciate you guys. This is the You Can Be Mo podcast. Legendary. It's going to be hard to top this. The women's segment, we got to get that going, Nicole. We definitely going to get that going. Uh, give us two weeks for that. Uh, so once again, I appreciate you guys. We closing out on this last part of You Can Be Mo podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Morris. We had a legendary Hall of Famer, Nicole Shellshick. We can't even say that three times fast. If you can, call in. <laughs> We're gonna, I'll give you $100 if you say that three times fast. Uh, the legendary coach, Corey Shashelshik, up at St. Norbert's. Multiple rings, multiple championships in that conference. Uh, legendary uh, coach, Greg Leach, 30 years in the game. Multiple, multiple players he has coached. Uh, coach Jason Atanasoff, 14 years in the game. Out of Racine Prairie, sending players to different schools. Coach B. Joe, uh, winning the state championship. Obviously, sending players to different places. You can tune in to uh, UA, UAPB, uh, University of Pine Bluff, to check out some of his players, Grambling State. Um, Coach Al Hansen, Nicolay. If you haven't heard of Nicolay, watch Duke next year. Uh, you you might see you might see somebody from Nicolay. Uh, Coach Marcus been in the game for a minute, just getting his his head coaching job at the high school level. Uh, definitely a special coach. Sent players to college uh, through uh, AAU programs. I mean, I'm sorry, travel basketball programs, so on and so forth. And uh, the legendary uh, coach Jose Winston, three state championships. Uh, what else can we say about him? Obviously, he's chasing uh, state championships as a coach. So once again, we appreciate you guys. Uh, I got number love for y'all. We'll look forward to seeing you guys back on the podcast. We out. Peace. <laughs>